This is the Real Leadership Podcast, a conversation about getting authentic, being yourself, and not being afraid of who you are, with Mark LeBusque and Kate Borah. Welcome to the Real Leadership Podcast series. I'm Kate Borah, joined by the wonderful Mark LeBusque. How are you today, Mark? I'm great, Kate. Great to um, be with you again and talking about another uh, Real Leadership topic. Absolutely. I think this is one of our personal favourites, performance reviews. Oh, this one gets so much traction in organisations. You know, there's research out there and I've seen it in engagement survey data that I work on that like 50% of people think that their performance reviews are an absolute waste of time. Um, You know, when you think about the time, energy and resources that organisations put into this stuff, it's phenomenal that a conversation that's designed to help grow and develop direct reports is seen as an absolute waste of time. So what do you think is going on there, Mark? So a couple of things. One is I'm surprised it's only 50% of people (laughs) think that. But um, anyway, let's go with that number. It's out of the research. Um, What do I think about it? I actually think we need to tip the whole process on its head. I will say, though, we need some way to monitor and measure performance of people within organisations. I just think we're using a system that is now out of date, which is really based around formal data, numbers, and really looking at people's weaknesses and saying how we need to fix them. And I I actually think we need to start to look at it perhaps from another angle, but I'll talk about that more as we go through the the topic today. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. You know, it's not rocket science. It's the performance review and organisations spend stacks of money even on consultants coming into design processes it's like how do we sit down twice a year and have a good conversation around performance it's it fascinates me how complicated we can make it I guess and the reality is and one of the analogies I always used to use particularly when I was in organisations working with them on the process is you know really it's a formal process to document conversations you should be having all year and it's the informal conversations that are happening on a regular basis that are really important the formal process should be super easy, right? We just document it, sign it off, we're done. The challenge is, of course, those informal conversations are not happening. So we sit down for our annual or biannual performance review and we get a few rude shocks as an employee. Worse yet, if you're the leader who hasn't been giving the feedback all year, it's an incredibly uncomfortable process. So I think there's some interesting trends and moves, um, particularly coming out of the States. It's coming here slowly where people are demolishing performance reviews, the annual performance review kind of process and looking at quarterly um, performance conversations, which which have definitely got merit. I think um, legacy of Australian companies says that they're going to be, it's a long time before we will countrywide remove performance reviews across organisations and I think it comes down to strong risk-averse behaviour in terms of what would happen if we did that. How do we control everyone? How do we measure performance? How do we do REM reviews? All of those sorts of things. I think there's a lot of process and systems that really hook in to this whole kind of structure and process around performance reviews. So if I think about it at its very crudest level, I I, I put a quote out recently um, on LinkedIn which says, two conversations a year to force someone into a bell curve is no way to inspire them. Um, Now, (laughs) this is, in fact, what I'm seeing in a lot of organisations. And as you said before, we haven't moved to a regular informal conversation. We're still in these sort of twice a year, uh, usually just after we come back from the break at uh, Christmas time. And then there's that one at the end of the year where we sit down with our people. And so we say something like, so how do you think you're going? As a manager, you should know how they're going because you've had conversations with them. And two conversations a year will create surprise and will create disappointment. And the other thing for humans that I'll say is humans are not hardwired to be compared or to be given a number. Humans aren't numbers. They can't, you give someone a number. I get a two and you get a three, Kate. 
and I'm sitting there going, hang on, I worked as hard as her. All of a sudden, I don't want to work with you. So they're almost anti-collaborative in the way we do it today. And you know, I'd love to explore today as we talk about how do we get this to be something that is more fulfilling, more rewarding. And also the other thing is, is it's about career progression and enhancement, not just for the person who's being reviewed, but also for the manager as well. How do you make it a good experience? Yeah, absolutely. And and that is such a simple opportunity for a manager and the individual going through the process. And I think that's where we'll go now is, you know, if you are an individual that's, you know, got your annual performance review or biannual performance review coming up, what can you do, I guess, to start to prepare for it, to make it a good experience for you, to really take ownership of that experience? I think the first thing to do is, um, I have have this thing called the first five questions in in my book, Being Human. And the second question is, what's your work style preference? I think if you're not getting asked that by your manager, you need to have a conversation with them about it and say, hey, boss, when I do my really best work and thrive, this is what it's like. It might be that let me be and just sort of run it like my own small business. The other one might be, I need you to come every day and rub my tummy so you can see my tail wag. I need affirmation. I need validation. The first thing you can do is be really clear about how you're going to do your very best work. Secondly, if your boss isn't having a weekly or fortnightly one-to-one with you, you need to get that time in the diary. Just half an hour every fortnight to give them an update as to where you're at, what's going on. Um, I call it the no surprises chat. Make sure that they don't get surprised at some point in time or you don't get surprised because you haven't um, been speaking to each other for six to eight weeks. And I think the third thing is focus on your strengths. Focus on the things that are real strengths. Don't forget your career killer, but continue to focus on what you're doing really well and look to get better at that. Yeah, and look at where you can leverage that. So where else in the organisation, where else in the team can I do more of what I'm, what I'm great at and how do I minimise the impact of things that I don't do so well and actually come armed with solutions rather than kind of waiting for your leader to give you those solutions. I think there's an important piece here and I hear it all the time from various clients um, people within our community, which is, oh, my boss never has time for me. And so that real at effect kind of reaction to they're super busy. And I've worked with a client recently and I said, it's your job to get them for 15 minutes a day, mm. to get the information you need, to get things signed off, to get barriers removed. Whatever you need to do to get 15 minutes, you need to do that. It doesn't need to be at the same time every day. And in this particular relationship, they need that 15 minutes every day. It doesn't have to be at the same time every day. Mm. Um, They've tried the one hour a week. They've tried, you know, not getting anywhere. I go, it's your job to get the 15 minutes a day. I don't want to hear, oh, you know, he he was busy or he wasn't able to. I'm like, walk into the door, knock. Hi, have you got 15 minutes? I want to have a quick chat. And I think there's an important responsibility and accountability that we need to take as individuals. People are busy. Leaders are busy. Now, they've got workloads that are, you know, off the charts, more than what they can do in a week, month or even a year. And so I think it's how do we create space to make it as easy as possible for them to do the stuff that I, you know, I'd like to think that most leaders think this stuff's important and really do value it. It's just the fact that they've got so much on their damn plate that they just never get around to it. Yeah, so one of the things that you're going to say when you go and walk and knock on that door is you're not going to say this, I know you're busy, boss, but 
don't go there with that sort of stuff. You want to go there and with a different mindset saying that what you're about to share with them or maybe some feedback that you're going to get will be benefiting not just you, the individual, but will also benefit the team and the boss and perhaps the organisation. So, And sometimes people carry stories, Kate. They want the boss to be busy so they can avoid these conversations because usually the boss wants to take them to the KPI sheet and maybe if the KPIs aren't where they need to be I'd rather not have that conversation what I think you need to be able to do is if you can't formalize that time get that time informally even say to your boss hey boss come and have a let's go and have a coffee yeah let's go out and have a coffee now some things I want to share with you that'll be useful for you at performance review time because managers have a lot of work to do when that time's ticking around performance review time there's so much to do. Yeah, absolutely. They're completing forms and doing all that sort of fun stuff. So let's move to talk. You've mentioned strengths and, you know, we've got the strengths-based movement that's come out of the states, very strong, starting to get some good traction here locally. So, you know, talk more about your strengths. How do you leverage those? I think a development plan is always a really important piece, but we'll come back to that. Let's talk about KPIs and data versus behaviour. Okay. So um, I know um, when I uh, ran the experiment to humanise my team, there were two things I focused on. One was coaching for performance, which is around their technical data, the, the sort of, I call it the, the vertical skills. And the other one was coaching for behaviour. And that was more about the human and horizontal skills. So as a manager, I really believe you've got to apportion time for both. The other thing as a manager we've got to stop doing is we focus so much on what I call the red whether it's the red in the numbers or the red in the behaviour or the 360, we always go to the bad news and we go, we must fix that. What I'm going to say is go to the green and have a look at the green. And if someone's 85% in the green, getting into 87 is going to have a much bigger impact on your business than maybe moving them up two points on, on the red. So focusing on strengths and good behaviour. You know, Marcus Buckingham's work on Strength Finder is fantastic. Gallup do some great work as well in that space. The issue is this, Kate, we've got to almost unlearn what started to happen to us at school. You know, Mark did well, but could do better. And then Mark goes to uni and Mark did well, but could do better. And then Mark goes to work and someone says, Mark did well, but could do better. We need to change the mindset to, hey, Mark's really good at this stuff and we're going to keep developing him. If he's really bad at something, let's just get him up to acceptable. Yeah. So I think that's where we need to start to focus. Which then really leads into, and we'll touch on this in another episode around career conversations, which is around job crafting. Mm. How in a day, a week, a month do I do more of what I'm good at and less of what I'm not good at? And I think that's an important piece here where we go, you know, every role has some brain-numbing Monday stuff that for whatever reason, confidentiality or just pure resourcing, you'll need to do. And I kind of always liken it to, you know, you don't want that to be more than 20% of your week, but there will be some things that we kind of just have to suck it up and do. But how do you actually start to craft your role? And this is a great conversation in a performance review with your leader that says, you know, I know I'm really good at this stuff. I'm not so great at that stuff. Is there anything we could do, particularly if the stuff I'm not so great at is someone else's absolute sweet spot and strength? And actually, if we gave it to that person, that'd be in seventh heaven. Yep. Great point, because... Again, we almost, in organisational life, we try and create this almost robotic person who can be sort of, let's be underwhelming at 20 things. And I'm like, no, 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 let's be amazing at one or two things because if we could each do that, we can then leverage that skill set and potential in the room. We, we shouldn't keep trying to create these robots. We should be focusing on the real strengths that the person brings. So if your strength is about, you know, again, finding your voice, speaking up, 
It might be about problem solving. It might be just empathy, whatever it is. Just let's use that, use that more and stop trying to get people to be like each other. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the strengths-based leadership stuff that talks around well-rounded teams mm. that actually not going to find all those qualities on one person, but in a team you absolutely um, will. So let's talk about how to prep and plan. I think there's a really important piece around being really clear about your outcome and your, and your intention for your performance conversation. Are you seeking feedback in a particular area? Are you seeking to validate perhaps a self-assessment? on a particular project. I think getting really clear about what you need from the conversation. And so then a really good question to your leader would be, okay, and what do you need from the conversation as well? So that we're really clear and that it's not sort of waffle. Because I think sometimes these conversations can be sort of 75, 80% waffle and sort of 10 or 20% hard, good, valuable conversations. And my suggestion is actually let's get rid of the waffle and let's have a good, honest conversation around results, behaviours, what's working well, what needs to be different and a plan for how that could look different and also importantly, what do you need to learn, grow, experience to progress your career? Really interestingly, I, I sort of liken it to a clumsy dance and I am a clumsy dancer, I'm not a great dancer, so I think you're sort of going into this dance with your manager and at times you're stepping on each other's feet and you're not quite moving in the same direction. It sort of starts with two or three minutes of small talk, usually 50 minutes of the dance, the clumsy dance, here's what you need to get better at, oh, here's something that you did, but that was three months ago, oh, yeah, I didn't bring it up, or you, as you just said then, not taking control of the conversation in some respects to say, hey, hang on a minute, here's what I really want to become and here's what I want to do and here's how I can help you anyway, boss, if if you can allow me to do that. So we sort of clumsily dance through. The other thing for them to think about is this, for people going into their performance review, if your boss asks you the first question, which is, so tell me how you think you went, just pause for 10 seconds and allow them to then follow up with whatever's coming next because the performance review I think they need to start the conversation in some respects on that rather than going to you because usually what you'll do as a human, you'll go, oh, yeah, look, I think I went all right. We don't usually blow smoke up the proverbial ourselves or blow our own tyres up. So put the onus back on them to start the conversation. They should know. And you know, might, you might be a bit like, oh, that's a bit scary, but every conversation usually starts with the boss going, how are you going? How do you think you went? Which is usually intentional because what we're seeking to do is get a sense from our staff member how they think they went and hopefully if there's areas they haven't done so well at, they'll actually self-assess that and I don't have to be the one to give that negative or constructive feedback. And, you know, to be fair, there's obvious merit in that. I think there's an opportunity that says that as an individual you could say, look, what would be really great for me to start this session off would be I'd really love to hear from you how you think I've gone on and be specific project x project y the work or the the process review I've done in finance or whatever it's going to be be specific it helps your leader who's probably I'm going to suggest not that it's right but walked in probably reasonably unprepared hence why they've thrown the the baton over to you to kick it off but that's going to then help them open up that dialogue get them thinking and really transition into a strong conversation in a in a quicker way so i think that's a way that you could do it that's respectful that's valuable and and could really facilitate a great conversation one of the things i'd love to do i I wasn't sure we're going to cover this but i wanted to give maybe some advice to managers here on how they handle some of the usual rhetoric you hear during the performance review process 
We've got this insipid thing that they call the bell curve, the way we trade in human flesh where we give a person a number from one to five. Here's what you don't do. First thing you don't do is you don't ask your person to write their own performance review because that does happen because you're too busy. Don't do that. Secondly is don't come back from your consolidated meeting with everyone and say to them, I tried really hard to get you a good score, but, you know, there's only so many people can get a five and a three's a good score anyway and that's okay and or tell them they're a developing two because they've just started. Don't do things like that because what it does to people, it, they just they see the process for what it is today, which is a compliance-based process to end up with people in a curve. So when you come back and have conversations, if you, you need to be honest with them. You need to be constructively honest with them and tell them about why they ended up where they were. And I'm going to say this, if you've had conversations along the way, they won't be surprised. I know myself from weekly conversations with my people that we were never surprised. I had think I had one where then they tried to get someone to developing two because they'd been there for three months. And I'm like, no, they're hitting their numbers. What I mean by developing two is that's an easy way to get your bell curve right. As a manager, don't put up with that sort of stuff. You've got to be honest, reliable and meet regularly with your people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the final thing that we'll close out with is Now, this generally when we come to a performance review, as a manager, my intention is to help you. And so if as an individual sitting in that conversation, we come from that perspective, that actually the feedback I'm about to receive is to help me progress, to help me succeed rather than being defensive, which is often the first port of call when we get some negative feedback is, no, that's not right, particularly if we're getting feedback from something that happened two months ago. Mm. But I think just to really hold that actually intention is to help and as a leader it can be really useful to actually articulate that and actually pre-frame that says look my intention around giving you this feedback is because I really want to see you succeed you know I've noticed some things that potentially are holding you back and what I'd love to see you do is you know be winning in that area or hitting that goal or building great relationships and so what I've seen is you probably be great if you could start doing one two and three with that stakeholder, with that project lead, in that group of team members so that you can achieve the outcomes that you're seeking to achieve. So I think there's some opportunity there to language it in a way that reinforces the fact I'm here to help you. Yeah, look, great point. I think you've hit on something that Daniel Pink just wrote about, which was there's all this idea of the feedback sandwich, good news, bad news, good news. Um, Daniel Pink has now said, go bad news first, because that's what we're looking for. Now, it's not bad in the respect that they've done something wrong. It's It'll be just framed as bad because it's, it might be something they're hearing about that they need to get better at. Start with that stuff. Don't waffle on into it. Hey, how you going? Yeah, all good. Yeah, has, yeah. And then go, but it's just have the conversation. Don't let their bullshit detectors go off. Because yeah. if that happens, it's no good. So I think you're right, Kate, is be upfront, be honest with them, and then move into the, the good stuff or the green as well. In my very second to last performance review in my old organisation, my boss called me back in after we'd finished and he sat me down and he said, um, Busker, I need you to look more stressed. That's what he finished with. And I'm like, why is that, mate? Oh, because I walk past your office and I'm not sure that you're working hard because you're laughing and having a joke with people. Don't do that. That's all I've got to say on that one. Whew. We might just leave it there. <laughs> um, but I think the important close-out piece there, yeah, is honesty. 
and really show up, do your prep and make it a really valuable conversation for whoever's in the room. Whatever you need to do as an individual, do that. As a leader, what do you need to do to make this conversation valuable? It doesn't have to be a cookie-cutter approach. How do you tailor the conversation, the process, so that it's really meaningful for all? So thanks, Mark. Another wonderful conversation. And thanks to our listeners. Yeah, thanks, Kate. And the listeners, keep your leadership real. Thank you. Hey there, it's Mark here again. Thanks for listening to The Real Leadership Podcast. If you liked it, why not rate it five stars? And if you loved it, how about you share it with your friends as well? And in the meantime, check out Kate's website, www.ypwa.com.au and her amazing new book called Core Confidence. And for my website, it's www.marklabus.com and check my book out as well called Being Human. Until next time, keep your leadership real.